This episode of Sleepy is proudly sponsored by ButcherBox. If you've listened to Sleepy for a while, you know that I love good food, eating well and treating my body right so that I can take on my days. Well, ButcherBox helps you do exactly that. They deliver super high quality, 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, crate-free pork, and wild-caught seafood right to your door. It's humanely raised, no antibiotics or added hormones. They have a huge variety to choose from. They are excellent deals. They've got recipes and guides and tips included, and there's free shipping, always. Eating well is a huge factor in getting a good night's sleep, as is sometimes saving the trip to the grocery store and taking some stress out of your daily schedule. I have been loving these deliveries for those reasons. Been cooking up their uh, steak tips with eggs in the morning with butter and scallions and soy sauce. And I also made a delicious brine chicken roast with lemon parsley gravy. So good. The prices for this kind of quality and convenience is really impressive. Uh, yeah, ButcherBox has made me very happy. So sign up at butcherbox.com sleepy and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com sleepy and use code sleepy to choose your free for a year offer. Plus get $20 off your first order. Butcherbox.com sleepy. Eat well, sleep well. Hey, my name's Otis Gray, and you're listening to Sleepy. A podcast where I read old books to help you get to sleep, and a proud member of the Airwave Podcast Network. I have got a wonderful, snoozy bedtime story for you tonight. But before we get to tonight's reading, I just want to thank all of our patrons on Patreon.com. Okay, now for some pretty big news. I want to tell you about a brand new podcast that I just started with my good friend. And yes, it is also a podcast to help you sleep. It's called Dreamy. Pretty original, right? Dreamy is another weekly podcast hosted by my friend, Kristen Eddy, who has such a wonderful voice and will read you classic tales so you can doze off into a deep, deep slumber. After talking with a lot of you, I know that you would love for there to be multiple episodes of Sleepy each week um, so you have more stories to fall asleep to. And also... I've learned that some listeners might prefer going to sleep to a woman's voice. Well, I have met few people in my entire life who have a voice as soothing and nice as Kristen's. Kristen is a nanny and a yoga teacher living in Vermont. We grew up together. And uh, when she told me that she loves reading bedtime stories to kids, I knew that she was the perfect voice for the sister podcast to Sleepy. So Dreamy is just more wonderful bedtime content for you. There will be new episodes every Monday, so you can come to Sleepy for your stories on Sunday, and then go listen to Dreamy every Monday for even more. 
We just launched the Dreamy trailer today and we'll post the first ever episode of Dreamy tomorrow. You can listen to Dreamy exclusively on Spotify right now. After two weeks, Dreamy will be available wherever you get your podcasts. I really can't tell you how excited I've been uh, getting this ready to bring you more bedtime stories. So go listen to the trailer on Spotify or click the link in the description of this show to check it out. Follow Dreamy on Instagram at dreamy underscore podcast and uh, go say hi to Kristen. She'd love to hear from you. And if you'd like, you can check out the Dreamy website at dreamypodcast.com. From both Kristen and myself, we cannot wait to bring you more sleepy Sundays and dreamy Mondays. And as always, the music that you're hearing is by my good friend James Lepkowski, and the cover art for Sleepy is by Gracie Kanan. Well, tonight we are going to be flipping through a few more wonderful Grimm's fairy tales. Man, kid stories used to be a lot different a uh, hundred years ago. These are all stories that have been collected by the Grimm brothers. Folk tales that were finally written down. So tonight, I'm going to start with the story, The Frog Prince. And then, we're going to hear The Pink, followed by The Six Swans. And now is the time for you to fluff up your pillow just how you like it. Feel yourself melt into your bed. Get real comfortable. Close your eyes and let me read to you. The Frog Prince In the old times, when it was still of some use to wish for the thing one wanted, there lived a king whose daughters were all handsome. But the youngest was so beautiful that the son himself, who had seen so much, wondered at her beauty each time he shone over her. Near the royal castle, there was a great dark wood, and in the wood under an old linden tree was a well. When the day was hot, the king's daughter used to go forth into the wood and sit by the brink of the cool well. And if the time seemed long, she would take out a golden ball and throw it up and catch it again. And this was her favorite pastime. Now it happened one day that the golden ball, instead of falling back into the maiden's little hand, which had sent her to law, dropped to the ground near the edge of the well and rolled in. The king's daughter followed it with her eyes as it sank, but the well was deep, so deep that the bottom could not be seen. Then she began to weep, and she wept and wept as if she could never be comforted. 
In the midst of her weeping, she heard a voice saying to her, What ails you, king's daughter? Your tears would melt a heart of stone. And when she looked to see where the voice came from, there was nothing but a frog stretching his thick, ugly head out of the water. Oh, is it you, old waddler, said she. I weep because my golden ball has fallen into the well. Never mind, do not weep, answered the frog. I can help you. But what will you give me if I fetch up your ball again? Whatever you like, dear frog, said she. Any of my clothes, my pearls and jewels, or even the golden crown that I wear. Your clothes, your pearls and your jewels, and your golden crown are not for me, answered the frog. But if you would love me, and have me for your companion and playfellow, and let me sit by you at table and eat from your plate and drink from your cup and sleep in your little bed. If you would promise all this, then would I dive below the water and fetch you your golden ball again. Oh yes, she answered, I will promise it all, whatever you want if you only get my ball again. But the frog, as soon as he heard her promise, drew his head under the water and sank down out of sight. But after a while, he came to the surface again with the ball in his mouth and threw it on the grass. The king's daughter was overjoyed to see her pretty plaything again, and she caught it up and ran off with it. Stop, stop, cried the frog. Take me up too. I cannot run as fast as you. But it was of no use. For croak, croak after her as he might, she would not listen to him. Instead, she hastened home and soon forgot all about the poor frog. The next day, when the king's daughter was sitting at table with the king and all the court, and was eating from her golden plate, there came something pitter-patter up the marble steps, and then there came a knocking at the door, and a voice crying, King's youngest daughter, let me in. And she got up and ran to see who it could be. But when she opened the door, there was the frog sitting outside. Then she shut the door hastily and went back to her seat, feeling very uneasy. The king noticed how quickly her heart was beating and said, My child, what are you afraid of? Is there a giant standing at the door? ready to carry you away? Oh no, answered she, no giant, but a horrid frog. And what does the frog want? asked the king. Oh dear father, answered she, when I was sitting by the well yesterday, 
playing with my golden ball that fell into the water. And while I was crying for the loss of it, the frog came and got it again for me, on condition I would let him be my companion. I never thought that he could leave the water and come after me, but there he is now outside the door, and he wants to come in to me. And then they all heard him knocking the second time and crying, King's youngest daughter, open to me by the well water. What promised you me? King's youngest daughter, now open to me. That which you have promised must you perform, said the king sternly. So go now and let him in. So she went and opened the door and the frog hopped in, following at her heels till she reached the chair. Then he stopped and cried, Lift me up to sit by you. But she delayed doing so until the king ordered her. When once the frog was on the chair, he wanted to get on the table. And there he sat and said, Now push your golden plate a little nearer so that we may eat together. And so she did but everybody could see how unwilling she was, and the frog feasted heartily, but every morsel seemed to stick in her throat. I've had enough now, said the frog at last, and as I am tired, you must carry me to your room and make ready your bed, and we will lie down and go to sleep. Then the king's daughter began to weep and was afraid of the cold frog whom nothing would satisfy but he must sleep in her pretty clean bed. Now the king grew angry with her and said what you have promised in your time of necessity you must now perform. So she picked up the frog with her finger and thumb carried him upstairs and put him in the corner. And when she had lain down to sleep, he came creeping up, saying, I am tired and want sleep as much as you. Take me up, or I will tell your father. Then she felt beside herself with rage, and picking him up, she threw him with all her strength against the wall, crying, Now, Will you be quiet, you horrid frog? But as he fell, he ceased to be a frog and became all at once a prince with beautiful, kind eyes. And it came to pass that with her father's consent, they became bride and bridegroom. And he told her how a wicked witch had bound him by her spells and how no one but she alone could have released him, and that they too would go together to his father's kingdom at once. And there came to the door a carriage drawn by eight white horses, with white plumes on their heads, and with golden harness, and behind the carriage 
faithful Henry, the servant of the young prince, was standing. Now, faithful Henry had suffered such care and pain when his master was turned into a frog that he had been obliged to wear three iron bands over his heart to keep it from breaking with trouble and anxiety. When the carriage started to take the prince to his kingdom, and faithful Henry had helped them both in, he got up behind and was full of joy at his master's deliverance. When they had gone part of the way, the prince heard a sound at the back of the carriage as if something had broken, and he cried, Henry, the wheel must be breaking. But Henry answered, The wheel does not break, tis the band round my heart, that to lessen its ache, when I grieve for your sake, I bound round my heart. Again, and yet once again, there was the same sound, and the prince thought it must be the wheel breaking, but it was the breaking of the other bands from faithful Henry's heart, because it was now so relieved and happy. The Pink There was once a queen who had not been blessed with children. She prayed every morning as she walked in her garden that a son or daughter might be given to her. Then one day, an angel came to her and said, Be content, you shall have a son, and he shall be endowed with the power of wishing, so that whatsoever he wishes for shall be granted to him. She hurried to the king and told him the joyful news. When the time came, a son was born to them, and they were filled with delight. Every morning, the queen used to take her little son into the gardens where the wild animals were kept to bathe him in a clear, sparkling fountain. It happened one day when the child was a little older that as she sat with him on her lap, she fell asleep. The old cook, who knew that the child had the power of wishing, came by and stole it. He also killed a chicken and dropped some of its blood on the queen's garments. Then he took the child away to a secret place where he placed it out to be nursed. Then he ran back to the king and accused the queen of having allowed her child to be carried off by a wild animal. When the king saw the blood on the queen's garments, he believed the story and was overwhelmed with anger. He caused a high tower to be built into which neither the sun nor the moon could penetrate. Then he ordered his wife to be shut up in it and the door walled up. She was to stay there for seven years without eating or drinking 
so as gradually to pine away. But two angels from heaven, in the shape of white doves, came to her, bringing food twice a day, till the seven years were ended. Meanwhile, the cook thought, if the child really has the power of wishing, and I stay here, I might easily fall into disgrace. So he left the palace and went to the boy, who was then old enough to talk, and said to him, Wish for a beautiful castle with a garden and everything belonging to it. Hardly had the words passed the boy's lips than all that he asked for was there. After a time, the cook said, It is not good for you to be so much alone. Wish for a beautiful maiden to be your companion. The prince uttered the wish, and immediately a maiden stood before him, more beautiful than any painter could paint. So they grew very fond of each other and played together, while the old cook went out hunting like any grand gentleman. But the idea came to him one day that the prince might wish to go to his father sometime, and he would thereby be placed in a very awkward position. So he took the maiden aside and said to her, Tonight, when the boy is asleep, go and drive this knife into his heart, then bring me his heart and his tongue. If you fail to do it, you will lose your own life. Then he went away. But when the next day came, the maiden had not obeyed his command. She said, Why should I shed his innocent blood when he has never done harm to any creature in his life? The cook again said, If you do not obey me, you will lose your own life. When he had gone away, she ordered a young hind to be brought and killed. Then she cut out its heart and its tongue and put them on a dish. When she saw the old man coming, she said to the boy, Get into bed and cover yourself completely. The old scoundrel came in and said, Where are the tongue and the heart of the boy? The maiden gave him the dish, but the prince threw off the coverings and said, You old sinner, why did you want to kill me? Now hear your sentence. You shall be turned into a black poodle with a gold chain round your neck, and you shall be made to eat live coal so that flames of fire will come out of your mouth. As he said the words, the old man was changed into a black poodle with a gold chain round his neck, and the scullions brought live coals which he had to eat till the flames poured out of his mouth. The prince stayed on at the castle for a time, thinking of his mother and wondering if she were still alive. 
At last he said to the maiden, I'm going into my own country. If you like, you can go with me. I will take you. She answered, Alas, it is so far off. And what should I do in a strange country where I know no one? As she did not wish to go, and yet they could not bear to be parted, he changed her into a beautiful pink, which he took with him. Then he set out on his journey, and the poodle was made to run alongside till the prince reached his own country. Arrived there, he went straight to the tower where his mother was in prison, and as the tower was so high, he wished for a ladder to reach the top. Then he climbed up, looked in, and cried, Dearest mother, Lady Queen, are you still alive? She, thinking it was the angels who brought her food, said, I have just eaten. I do not want anything more. Then he said, I am your own dear son, whom the wild animals were supposed to have devoured, but I am still alive and I shall soon come and rescue you. Then he got down and went to his father. He had himself announced as a strange huntsman, anxious to take service with the king. The king said, Yes, if he is skilled in game-preserving and can procure plenty of venison, I will engage him but there has never before been any game in the whole district. The huntsman promised to procure as much game as the king could possibly require for the royal table. Then he called the whole hunt together and ordered them all to come into the forest with him. He caused a great circle to be enclosed with only one outlet, then he took his place in the middle and began to wish as hard as he could. Immediately, over two hundred head of game came running into the enclosure. These the huntsmen had to shoot, and then they were piled onto sixty country wagons and driven home to the king. So for once he was able to load his boar with game after having had none for many years. The king was much pleased and commanded his whole court to a banquet on the following day. When they were all assembled, he said to the huntsman, You shall sit by me, as you are so clever. He answered, My lord and king, May it please your majesty, I am only a poor huntsman. The king, however, insisted and said, I command you to sit by me. As he sat there, his thoughts wandered to his dear mother, and he wished one of his courtiers would speak of her. 
Hardly had he wished it when the Lord High Marshal said, Your Majesty, we are all rejoicing here. How fares it with Her Majesty the Queen? Is she still alive in the tower, or has she perished? But the king answered, She allowed my beloved son to be devoured by wild animals, and I do not wish to hear anything about her. Then the huntsman stood up and said, Gracious father, she is still alive, and I am her son. I was not devoured by wild animals. I was taken away by the scoundrel of a cook. He stole me while my mother was asleep and sprinkled her garments with the blood of a chicken. Then he brought up the black poodle with the golden chain and said, This is the villain. He ordered some live coals to be brought, which he made the dog eat in the sight of all the people, till the flames poured out of his mouth. Then he asked the king if he would like to see the cook in his true shape, and wished him back. And there he stood, in his long white apron, with his big knife at his side. The king was furious when he saw him, and ordered him to be thrown into the deepest dungeon. Then the huntsman said further, My father, would you like to see the maiden who so tenderly saved my life when she was ordered to kill me, although by doing so she might have lost her own life? The king answered, Yes, I will gladly see her. Then his son said, Gracious father, I will show her to you first in the guise of a beautiful flower. He put his hand into his pocket and brought out the pink. It was a finer one than the king had ever seen before. Then his son said, Now I will show her to you in her true form. The moment his wish was uttered, she stood before them in all her beauty, which was greater than any artist could paint. The king sent ladies and gentlemen in waiting to the tower to bring the queen back to his royal table. But when they reached the tower, they found that she would no longer eat or drink. She said, The merciful God, who has preserved my life so long, will soon release me now. Three days afterwards, she died. At her burial, the two white doves which had brought her food during her captivity followed and hovered over her grave. The old king caused the wicked cook to be torn into four quarters but his own heart was filled with grief and remorse, and he died soon after. His son married the beautiful maiden he had brought home with him as a flower, and for all I know, they may be living still.
the six swans. Once upon a time, a king was hunting in a great wood, and he pursued a wild animal so eagerly that none of his people could follow him. When evening came, he stood still. Then, looking round him, he found that he had lost his way, and seeking a path, he found none. Then all at once, he saw an old woman with a nodding head coming up to him, and she was a witch. My good woman, said he, can you show me the way out of the wood? Oh yes, my lord king, answered she, certainly I can, but I must make a condition. If you do not fulfill it, you will never get out of the wood again, but will die there of hunger. What is the condition? asked the king. I have a daughter, said the old woman, who is as fair as any in the world. If you will take her for your bride and make her your queen, I will show you the way out of the wood. The king consented because of the difficulty he was in, and the old woman led him into her little house where her daughter was sitting by the fire. She received the king just as if she had been expecting him. And though he saw that she was very beautiful, she did not please him, and he could not look at her without an inward shudder. Nevertheless, he took the maiden before him on his horse, and the old woman showed him the way, and soon he was in his royal castle again, where the wedding was held. The king had been married before, and his first wife had left seven children, six boys and one girl, whom he loved better than all the world. And as he was afraid, the stepmother might not behave well to them, and perhaps would do them some mischief, he took them to a lonely castle standing in the middle of a wood. There they remained hidden, for the road to it was so hard to find that the king himself could not have found it had it not been for a ball of yarn with wonderful properties which the wise woman had given him. When he threw this down before him, it unrolled itself and showed him the way. But the king went so often to see his dear children that the queen was displeased at his absence. She became curious and wanted to know why he went out alone into the wood so often. She bribed the king's servants with much money, and they showed her the secret and told her of the ball of yarn, which alone could point out the way. Then she gave herself no rest until she had found out where the king kept the ball and then she made some little white silk shirts and sewed a charm in each, since she had learned witchcraft from her mother. 
And once, when the king had ridden to the hunt, she took the little shirts and went into the wood, and the ball of yarn showed her the way. The children, who saw someone in the distance, thought it was their dear father coming to see them and came jumping for joy to meet him. Then the wicked queen threw over each of them one of the little shirts, and as soon as the shirts touched their bodies, they were changed into swans and flew away through the wood. So the queen went home, much pleased to think she had got rid of her stepchildren. But since the maiden had not run out with her brothers, the queen knew nothing about her. The next day the king went to see his children, but he found nobody but his daughter. Where are your brothers? asked the king. Ah, dear father, answered she. They have gone away and have left me behind. And then she told him how from her window she had seen her brothers in the guise of swans fly away through the wood. And she showed him the feathers which they had let fall in the courtyard and which she had picked up. The king was grieved, but he never dreamt that it was the queen who had done this wicked deed and as he feared lest the maiden also would be stolen away from him, he wished to take her away with him. But she was afraid of the stepmother, and begged the king to let her remain one more night in the castle in the wood. Then she said to herself, I must stay here no longer, but go and seek my brothers. And when night came, she ran away, straight into the wood. She went on all that night and the next day until she could go no longer for weariness. At last she saw a rude hut and she went in and found a room with six little beds in it. She did not dare to lie down in one, but she crept under one and lay on the hard boards and wished for night. When it was near sunset, she heard a rustling sound, and saw six swans come flying in at the window. They alighted on the ground, and blew at one another, until they had blown all their feathers off, and then they stripped off their swan skins, as if they had been shirts. When the maiden looked at them and knew them for her brothers, she was very glad and crept out from under the bed. The brothers were not less glad when their sister appeared, but their joy did not last long. You must not stay here, they said to her. This is a robber's haunt, and if they were to come and find you here, they would kill you. And cannot you defend me? Asked the little sister. No, answered they. Well, we can only get rid of our swan skins and keep our human shape every evening for a quarter of an hour. 
After that, we must be changed again into swans. Their sister wept at hearing this and said, Can nothing be done to set you free? Oh no, answered they, the work would be too hard for you. For six whole years you would be obliged never to speak or laugh, and during that time you would have to make six little shirts out of our aster flowers. If you were to let fall a single word before the work was finished, all would be of no avail. And just as the brothers had finished telling her this, the quarter of an hour came to an end, and they changed into swans and flew out the window. But the maiden made up her mind to set her brothers free, even though it should cost her her life. She left the hut and went into the middle of the wood where she climbed a tree and there passed the night. The next morning she set to work and gathered asters and began sewing them together. As for speaking, there was no one to speak to. And as for laughing, she had no mind to laugh. So she sat there and looked at nothing but her work. When she had been going on like this for a long time, it happened that the king of the country went hunting in the wood, and some of his huntsmen came up to the tree in which the maiden sat. They called out to her, Who are you? But she gave no answer. Come down, they cried. We will do you no harm. But she only shook her head. When they tormented her further with questions, she threw down to them her golden necklace, hoping they would be content with that, but they would not leave off. So she threw them down her sash, and when that did no good, she threw down her garters, and one after another, everything she had on and could possibly spare, until she had nothing left but her smock. But it all did no good. The huntsmen would not be put off any longer. And they climbed the tree, carried the maiden off, and brought her to the king. The king asked, Who are you? What were you doing in the tree? But she answered nothing. He spoke to her in all the languages he knew, but she remained dumb. Once she was very beautiful, the king felt a great love rise up in his heart towards her, and casting his mantle round her, he put her before him on his horse and brought her to his castle. Then he caused rich clothing to be put upon her, and her beauty shone as bright as the morning, but no word would shudder. He seated her by his side at table, and her modesty and gentle mien so pleased him that he said, This maiden I choose for a wife, and no other in all the world 
accordingly after a few days, they were married. But the king had a wicked mother who was displeased with the marriage and spoke ill of the young queen. Who knows where this maid can have come from, said she, who is not able to speak a word. She is not worthy of a king. After a year had passed and the queen brought her first child into this world, the old woman carried it away and marked the queen's mouth with blood as she lay sleeping. Then she went to the king and declared that his wife was an eater of human flesh. The king would not believe such a thing in order that no one should do her any harm. And the queen went on quietly sewing the shirts and caring for nothing else. The next time that a fine boy was born, the wicked woman used the same deceit, but the king would give no credence to her words. He said, she is too tender and good to do any such thing, and if she were only not dumb and could defend herself, then her innocence would be as clear as day. When for the third time the old woman stole away the newborn child and accused the queen, who was unable to say a word in her own defense, the king could do nothing but give her up to justice, and she was sentenced to suffer death by fire. The day on which her sentence was to be carried out was the very last day of the six years during which she was neither to speak nor laugh in order to free her dear brothers from the evil spell. The six shirts were ready, all except one which lacked the left sleeve. And when she was led to the pile of wood, she carried the six shirts on her arm. When she mounted the pile, and the fire was about to be kindled. All at once she cried out aloud, for there were six swans flying through the air towards her. She saw that her deliverance was near, and her heart beat for joy. The swans came close up to her with rushing wings and stooped around her so that she could throw the shirts over them. And when that had been done, the swanskins fell off them and her brothers stood before her in their own bodies, quite safe and sound. But as one shirt wanted the left sleeve, so the youngest brother had a swan's wing instead of a left arm. They embraced and kissed each other, and the queen went up to the king, who looked on with astonishment and began to speak to him. Dearest husband, she said, now I may dare to speak and tell you that I am innocent and have been falsely accused. And she related to him the treachery of the old woman who had taken away the three children and hidden them. And she was reconciled to the king with great joy and the wicked mother was bound to the stake on the pile of wood and burnt to ashes. And the king and the queen lived many years with their six brothers in peace 
and joy. Thank you for listening to Sleepy. Good night.